Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you to all of our listeners, as always, for tuning in. Um, today we're going to do part two of a show. If anybody was listening last week, um, we started off a show on based on a talk I was giving at a local church here in Pomona. It's called St. Madeline Catholic Church in Pomona. The address for that, for anybody who's interested in visiting the church, beautiful little church, uh, 931 East Kingsley Avenue, Pomona, California, 91767. Uh, Father Bravo is there, and he is more than willing to um, really listen to people and help them out in their prayer life and their uh, spiritual life. Uh, he does deliverance prayers and he does great masses. Nice. Uh, what I liked about the church, I stayed for mass, of course, <clears throat> uh, after the talks. Still has a communion rail. Very wonderful community there of holy people. There were a couple of healing masses um, and really, really reminded me of as Catholics, how much we need healing, how much we feel that need for healing. Um, and you know, how important it is that, as Father Bravo says, the Eucharist is the ultimate medicine for healing uh, overall, body and soul. There's no question about that. So uh, we're going to continue the talks today on, uh, today we're going to focus on psychosis or schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and how that relates into the world of deliverance and what does that look like spiritually or what it can be confused with. Uh, but before we get started on the show, let's go ahead and say our prayers in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, that grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Always good to invoke St. Michael and Our Lady, uh, and of course Christ, whenever we're going to do a talk, especially if we're going to involve deliverance issues directly. Uh, but a little housekeeping here, just to remind everybody about what's coming up. On uh, Saturday, September 18th, we're going to have our Women's Conference on True Devotion to St. Joseph. So that's coming up uh, shortly. Uh, you can still sign up here at virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Um, and you can sign up to come here to the historic Sacred Heart Chapel here in Covina at 381 West Center Street. Or you can go to our website and sign up virtually so you can listen to the conference from the comfort of your own home. Always good to listen to 
a women's conference. I say this to all the gentlemen all the time. <clears throat> you might think, oh, it's a women's conference. What do I need to listen to that for? But I always recommend that men listen to women's conferences and women listen to men's conferences uh, because it would be sad to think that we live in a bubble from each other and that we can't learn from each other. It would be silly to think of a woman without thinking of a man as a counterpart, especially if we're going to think about sacrament of marriage and what's important in that respect. It would be, you know, we, we can't think of each other as being separate at all. Christ asked us to unite each other uh, or, and to be united to each other. So I hopefully know what I'm being united to and the best way to learn about that is to listen to what you have to say. And hopefully you listen to what I have to say and we can come to an agreement on how we can honor each other. It's not about me. Um, I'd want to listen to this because I want to know how to honor my wife better and how to uh, think about what's important to her and kind of put myself to the side. And hopefully that happens vice versa. If there's a men's conference. So always get to listen to those conferences, always going to get good nuggets of information. You know, I realized one thing for our listeners, one thing I forgot to mention in our, our last session we were listening last week is we're still doing the uh, novena prayer to uh, Our Lady of Sorrows. And if you've been praying every Friday, the chaplet, I've already gotten a few emails and I've sent out a few chaplets uh, of Our Lady of the Seven Sorrows chaplet to our listeners. And I appreciate you listening. Uh, I still have a few more. So if anybody wants to email me at doctor, that's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. Um, and let me know how it's going with your prayers. I'll be happy to uh, send out a few uh, more chaplets of Our Lady of Seven Sorrows. Just leave me an address where you'd like me to send that to. Um, and so today, uh, hopefully you started the novena yesterday uh, on <clears throat> on the 8th uh, for Our Lady. And we're going to end it on the 15th uh, so that we can pray the novena to Our Lady of Seven Sorrows. Whenever I send out the the chaplet, I send out with a little bit of information on what it means and what the prayers are. It includes promises, and it includes, um, <clears throat> excuse me, not just the promises, but how to pray the, the chaplet to Our Lady. Uh, it's important because we have to remember, especially in this month of September, um, that's devoted to Our Lady, that Our Lady also suffered. You know, we, we think of Our Lady as having a, a wonderful life, a life of devotion, a life of humility. We say, you know, it was wonderful that she said yes to the angel, said yes to God's message, said yes to God. And through her, the incarnation occurred. You know, Our Lady is so grateful of graces and she can get us anything that we need uh, that would be in the will of God. Um, but we forget that her life was not easy. You know, we think sometimes, oh, she had a very easy life. No, Our Lady struggled and she went through sorrows and she went through um, hard times and so it's important to remember that because if we are going to follow God, if we are going to lead a life of humility, we're going to go through sorrows ourselves and we're going to um, struggle. So <clears throat> the seven sorrows of Our Ladies, for those of you who don't know, the first sorrow was um, when she went to the present to present Christ and uh, St. Simeon told her that there was going to be many swords that pierced her heart based on what her son was going to go through, what he was going to go through for us. The second sorrow was the last minute flight into Egypt. St. Joseph tells her we have to get to Egypt so that our child's not dead um, and he's not killed by Herod. So up and gone and all of a sudden you have to move right away. Uh, the third sorrow is when they couldn't find Christ and he was in the temple and he was a young lad uh, coming into his adolescence and they didn't know where he was and he was lost for three days and they found him in the temple. That must have been heart-wrenching to think that you lost a son. Uh, fourth sorrow was seeing her son on the way of the cross. So the it's actually the fourth station of the cross as well. Seeing Jesus on the way of the cross, that can be very 
heroine, of course, and yet she is following God's will and her humility. Um, I'm sure that if she would have asked God to stop it, he would have stopped it, would have found a different way. But in her humility, she said, you know, God's will be done and this is my son and I have to see him suffer this way. The rest of the uh, sorrows, so that's the fourth sorrow, the fifth sorrow, sixth and the seventh are the continuation of the cross. So the fifth sorrow is the crucifixion, um, being there at the foot of the cross with her son. The sixth sorrow is his dead body coming off of the cross and into her arms. How hard that must be for a mother to see the body of a child in her arms, now lifeless. And the last sorrow is the burial at the tomb. Um, You know, it's done, it's over, it's closed, it's real. You know, we get that final closure of a funeral. So Our Lady went through these sorrows. We have to meditate on those. It's the same way that we meditate on the uh, Stations of the Cross. Um, But there are promises that come if we do meditate on these sorrows. And let's go through those promises really quickly, and then we'll get into our show. The first promise is, I will grant peace to their families, to anybody who meditates on her sorrows. The second promise is, they will be enlightened about divine mysteries. The third sorrow is, or the third promise is, I will console them in their plans, and I will accompany them in their work. The fourth promise is I will give them as much as they ask for as long as it does not oppose the adorable will of my divine son or the sanctification of their souls. Number five is I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. The sixth is I will visibly help them at the moment of their death. They will see the face of their mother. And then the seventh is I have obtained this grace from my divine son that those who propagate this devotion to my tears and dolors or pains will be taken directly from this earthly life to eternal happiness since all their sins will be forgiven and my son and I will be their eternal consolation and joy. Those sound like some pretty good promises. So again, anybody who's doing that, feel free to email me. That's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. And we can get you those chaplets out there and instructions on how to pray the chaplet of the seven sorrows. Okay. Going back to our show, so if you were listening last week, you know that we covered a little bit about depression and anxiety and how does that relate to our evaluation of deliverance and if anybody comes through the door and says, hey, you know, I think I've got something going on, how do I know if it's truly demonic possession, if it's oppression, if it's obsession, what's going on with that? Talked a little bit about how anxiety can be linked to obsessions. Uh, It looks very similar. So clinical anxiety can look very similar to spiritual obsessions. We talked about how major depressive disorder uh, can look very clinically like oppressions. uh, And within that, even vexations or things of that nature. And it's important to note that because then we start getting into different realms. Once we start getting into the realm of vexation today, we're going to talk a little bit more about schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And what does that look like? So vexation in the deliverance world or uh, in the spiritual world is when you're being attacked directly by something in the dark side, Um, whether it be that you feel that you're being pushed or that you're being hit or that you're having scars on your body, bruises, um, things of that nature that all of a sudden weren't there. Very common for that to happen uh, where it shows up one day and it's gone the next. And as we know in the medical world, scars and bruises aren't like that. They don't just come and go. Uh, you know, bruising takes a, there's a, a definite uh, progression to bruising. There's also a definite progression to healing of scars. Um, and it wouldn't happen from one day to the next where it's there and then it disappears. When that happens, we have to start to ask ourselves, what is going on? Is this person seeing things or is this really some kind of an influence from a darker side? More on that when we come back from the break on the other side.
All right, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio here. Uh, you're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and thank you for joining us. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Sandoval. Um, today we're talking about, uh, based on a conference I gave recently, um, great talk, great, met some wonderful, wonderful people at uh, St. Madeline Catholic Church in Pomona. Um, and one of the things that we talked about, well, the main thing about the conference was they wanted to know how do we distinguish between mental illness and uh, anything in the world of deliverance, whether it be uh, demonic obsessions, possessions, or influence uh, in that re- in that respect. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I gave a general talk and people really had a lot of questions. So hopefully we'll go back and do some more uh, clinics, as we call them, and, and, you know, have people learn more, have more people show up if they have questions. But one of the things is, one of the ways I look at this or whenever I look at somebody in terms of I need to do an evaluation for is, is this something spiritual or is this just mental health? I like to go through a progression in my mind and it seems like a natural progression. I start, I like to start with anxiety just because it's a normal emotion that we all have. Then I go through and see, well, is that anxiety leading to a depression? Is that depression leading to a psychosis? And is that psychosis leading towards a more bipolar type picture? And this is why, uh, this is where I find my link. So how do you find the link between depression and uh, psychosis or, or headed towards schizophrenia? Well, because they, uh, you got to look at the commonalities. And some of the commonalities is we know that if we're feeling depressed, the person's just not motivated. They're, they've, everything's dark. They might not be able to get up and go to work. They might not have energy to do anything. In fact, they don't find anything fun. You know, things that were beautiful were great. If there's a, if you take them to the beach and there's a wonderful sunset, well, then they're going to, that's where they're going to be depressed. They're not going to enjoy that. Everything is great to them. If you say, okay, well, maybe they didn't like the beach. I'm going to take them to a beautiful mountaintop and they can see nature and beautiful lake and pine trees. Well, guess what? That's where they're going to be depressed and it's not going to matter. The depression is throughout. How does that translate into the world of psychosis? Well, in the world of psychosis and and schizophrenia, all of a sudden we have what are called negative symptoms of schizophrenia. And if you listen to what these negative symptoms are like, um, the negative symptoms of schizophrenia are a loss of motivation, sounds like depression, disinterest or lack of enjoyment in daily activities, overlaps exactly like depression, socially withdrawn, we know that that happens with depression as well, Difficulty showing emotions. When somebody's depressed, they just don't show emotions. In schizophrenia, it's a little bit more like there's no emotion as in joy or depression. There may be flat affect. Um, Difficulty functioning normally, whatever that means, right? So normally such a broad term. I would say difficulty functioning in the way that the person is normally used to functioning. Um, And these are the big ones. So reduced motivation, difficulty planning, beginning, and sustaining activities. Again, these are called negative symptoms of schizophrenia, which if you notice, sound very much like depression. This is my bridge. This is where I look at, okay, if you're experiencing this and it looks like depression, uh, could this be a schizophrenia or a psychotic type picture? Um, diminished feelings of pre- pleasure in everyday life, a flat affect, like I was saying, just kind of no emotion whatsoever, uh, reduced expression, reduced facial expression, even reduced speaking, which can happen in both schizophrenia and depression. Um, and then cognitive symptoms, problems in attention, concentration and memory. Um, so sometimes in, in schizophrenia can be very subtle because the person is so recluse that you don't even get what they're, where they're at or what they're saying or thinking. Um, and depression, you start to kind of get this feeling that the person's just depressed, but very common for the person to have difficulty in, in even making the simplest of decisions. You can ask them, well, would you rather take, you know, would you rather pick this, uh, uh, plan, uh, for the day, or would you rather have a different schedule? In other words, Hey, do you want to go to the beach? Do you want to go to the mountains? And they would say, I have no idea. And you could tell 
that even as they're thinking or trying to, their brain is just, the gears aren't moving. You know, it's just not happening. Um, problem using information after they learned it. This happens in schizophrenia. It happens in depression because all of a sudden the brain can't make any cognitive um, assessment of things. You know, they can try to sit in a classroom and try to learn something new. And they say, I, nothing's sticking in my brain. It just doesn't make sense. I'm trying to read this paragraph. I don't know what I'm reading. Very common for people going through either psychosis or schizophrenia and, or excuse me, or depression to think that they have ADHD because they're going to have problems focusing, paying attention, learning new information. So that's my bridge. But then how is psychosis different than depression? Because obviously the negative symptoms of psychosis, the cognitive symptoms of psychosis can mesh with depression very well. It's one or the other. Um, but then you get into the full psychotic symptoms and the psychotic symptoms. These are the positive symptoms as we call them of schizophrenia, um, is the hallucinations that we know about where people are hearing voices or seeing things that aren't there. Um, they have delusions or they really have these firm beliefs <clears throat> that really aren't supported by any data, by anything objective, but to them, it's, it's pretty much irrational fears. Um, and usually it includes, uh, they can have thoughts or disorganized thinking, unusual speech, things of that nature. Um, <clears throat> you know, so th this is uh, important to consider now because these are the most classic symptoms of schizophrenia. The other symptoms we don't think much about. It's easy for us to be, you've probably been around somebody with schizophrenia and not even realize that because the majority of the time, if they're out and they're semi-functioning, they're going to have more of the negative symptoms. They might, might've taken an effort to get out. But then by the time you see the psychotic symptoms, something, shall we say, went wrong. Something's not right. Either they're not on their medications or something along those lines. Now, when somebody has schizophrenia, very classic with this delusion, to give an example, would be somebody who says, I think I'm being followed by the cops. And you say, well, why did you do something? Did you break the law? Are you, you know, or are you being accused of something? I say, no, I just think that they're following me. You know how they are. They're always watching me. Well, what are you talking about? What do you mean they're always watching you? Nope, they're always watching me. And, you know, I think that they're after me. In fact, you know, we're walking down the street or something and a cop car goes by and they, they're going to tell you, see, that cop car, that was sent for me. See, that car, I'm telling you, that was sent for me. Try to convince somebody that that's not the case. It's going to be really hard to because if that's what they believe, if they have this fixed delusion or this fixed paranoia or an irrational fear, you're not going to convince them otherwise, but that's what's going on in their mind. And you notice that can be, obviously it's going to cause anxiety. It can be confused with an anxiety, with an OCD type symptom. These things build on each other. Sometimes I present them as clear cut as, oh, well, this is parallel to this, but everything kind of blends. I just kind of do the, the general comparisons um, so that we know what they're, what they're like. And this can happen. It's very common um, to see these symptoms of schizophrenia. When you are getting treatment, the medication is best to calm down what we call the positive symptoms of psychosis or what I just described in terms of delusions, hallucinations, things of that nature. Not as good. You're not going to find a medication that can take care of what we call the negative symptoms, which are the reduced uh, mental capacity, the difficulty concentrating, the uh, flat affect or the separation, the isolation. Medication is not as good at, at treating those. It's much better at calming down the brain from believing things that aren't there. And so if we can improve it in any way. I'll take it. Hopefully down the road, we'll find something that improves uh, the negative symptoms, but we don't know that that's the case yet. So we'll work with that. But how does that translate into the world of the spiritual world of deliverance? Well, what if all of a sudden I have somebody who comes and says, you know what, Dr. Sandoval, things are moving around in my house. I think I've got poltergeist. I think that, uh, you know, the lights are flickering on and off and I don't know why. Um, you know, I see things floating around and I don't know what's going on there. Well, we got to remember all of a sudden we have to ask ourselves, 
does this place need a blessing? I said there, I remember one time there was a case where I went to a house and they said there's noises every night. There's footsteps that show up outside on the backyard, uh, imprints on the dirt, but they're not of a normal imprint. It's, it seems like a footprint, but not of a shoe or a foot. It's like a creature, almost like creature from the black lagoon type imprint that shows up every night. Statues are broken in the backyard you know, whatever, uh, decorations they have. And this just happens overnight. And, you know, we set up cameras and whenever we set up cameras, nothing happens. Um, we can't really see it happening. The neighbors, we know our neighbors, but it's only happening to our house. No other house is being vandalized and it's in the backyard. You know, we don't see, uh, what's going on. And, you know, we did prayers in that house and some of the team members went, this was a long time ago. Some of the team members went and we did some prayers. Um, and it seemed to improve. Uh, and the only thing that we asked the family was, well, what's going on? Was there ever, do you know who lived here beforehand or anything along those lines? Um, no, you know, it was a very prayerful family, very spiritual family. Uh, they weren't sure, uh, if it was a house in general, because it seemed like when they moved all of a sudden that followed them as well. So then you got to start asking yourself, well, is this something that's attached to the family? Um, but it's manifesting in a way that anybody would say, if somebody comes to me and tells me that they're experiencing this, I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder what they're uh, experiencing. I wonder, are they having psychosis or not? One thing that's kind of uh, interesting to note is that usually with multiple people, it doesn't lend itself to a psychotic type situation. Then you got to tell yourself, well, multiple people are seeing the same thing. Um, can it happen that you can have all of a sudden a group type psychosis? Yes, very rare. But usually if somebody's going to have psychosis, it's one person and they're going to have their story and everybody else is going to tell you, no, that's not true. But in cases where if you're worried about any kind of infestation, as we call it in the spiritual world, infestation is where, just like I described, you're hearing noises, you're hearing footsteps in the attic, you're seeing things moved around the house, or you place something somewhere, you know you place it there and doesn't appear there anymore and appears somewhere else. Um, you know, you see these sort of things and these are the fanatical things. How rare is this? Extremely rare in the spiritual world. Much more common to see things or hear things that aren't there in the uh, mental health world. But these are the things that you're going to see, shall we say, in the movies and Hollywood that they're going to express a little bit more because it's what draws the attention. And the danger, like we said before, of obsessing about this or drawing the attention to this or wanting to learn more about this is that that's really not our place. We don't need to go deep into that. We just need to keep it on the surface and say, well, if something is causing that, believe it or not, sometimes one of the best things to do is ignore it, to go about our lives, to find joy. Um, one of the things that without we can do very easily, um, is try to find a way to laugh. If there is, uh, something dark and demonic that's going on and you feel like, no, this isn't really mental health. I don't think I need medication for psychosis. I don't think that that's the case. Believe it or not, finding joy and laughing will drive away anything dark because they don't know how to experience joy anymore. Remember, this is where you want to learn enough to know what the weaknesses are. And one of the weaknesses is if I'm separated from God, I can no longer experience joy. It's just not possible. This is what happens when we sin. This is why we feel bad. This is why we feel down. And this is why we actually open doors because sin is going to bring us down. It's going to separate us from God. And the only joy and true happiness comes from God. So if I'm separating myself from joy and true happiness, I'm inviting, shall we say, heaviness and darkness. And so if all of a sudden I can bring back some of that joy in my life, bring back something funny. Remember how much I enjoy spending time with my family members, be it my spouse, my kids, um, say a few jokes, some healthy jokes that will bring laughter in the air. Uh, believe it or not, things are going to go away. I remember that I was at a conference one time. It was a spiritual warfare conference. 
And one of the attendees started, you know, and these things happen, started to uh, feel the press in the parking lot and they were really feeling, uh, you know, they were gagging and they were throwing up and they weren't feeling good and they felt like they were being tormented and they didn't know what to do. Um, and so I happened to be out there and we just started talking. And the first thing I did, I said, like, why don't we walk a little bit? So we started walking back and forth a little bit, so walking back and forth. And then one of the things that we did is I just started telling good stories, you know, asking questions, where are you from? Why are you here? What's going on? Um, and we started joking around a little bit and I was making them laugh and they were making me laugh. And then they just said, gosh, I feel so much better already. And they said, well, and you know, some of the people said, oh, I saw you walking with them. I thought, you know, I, at that point I saw them. I didn't know what was going on with them. I didn't know if it was truly, um, you know, spiritual or mental health because we all can experience both. Um, but you know, I started just kind of evaluating them, seeing that, you know, they were a little bit maybe feeling depressed, but that can happen if you're being, uh, if you're experiencing any kind of, uh, influence, uh, and all of a sudden they start to feel better. You start laughing. You're going to bring God into the picture because God is full of joy. And if we start finding laughter, we're going to bring God into our lives and we're going to separate any darkness. We're going to allow the light to come in. That's probably the most important thing when it comes to, um, believing things that aren't there. I think laughter brings us back to reality. It resets the brain and it helps us see what's really before us. It really brings us to that joy that God wants us to experience. We come back from the break. We're going to talk a little bit more about schizophrenia and how that relates to um, oppressions and things of that nature. And then we're going to talk about bipolar disorder on the other side. All right. Welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we're talking about how do we tell the difference between mental health and anything spiritual that's going on, anything spiritual on the dark side that could be bringing us down. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at doctor, that's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com um, so we can always get your questions answered and we can reply to you. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that we're talking about today, so if you listened to our show last week, we were talking about depression and anxiety. Um, this week we're talking about how does that translate into psychosis or schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So we went over some of the symptoms of schizophrenia and psychosis. And how does that relate to the spiritual world? Well, if somebody is experiencing delusions, thoughts, that thoughts that aren't there, or excuse me, seeing things that aren't there, hearing things that aren't there, um, we can treat that in terms of if it is a schizophrenic type picture or a psychotic type picture. But if we worry about the spiritual world and we're worried about oppression, um, some of the similar things can happen. So what can happen in oppression? We talked about it a little bit in, in the world of how does that translate into depression last week where things go bad in our lives and, you know, it seems like everything's falling apart. Okay. But how does that translate into psychosis? Well, part of what can happen in an oppression type picture is that we can start hearing voices and we can start hearing that everything is bad and that you're no good. Usually the voices are are uh, negative in nature. They're usually attacking in nature. So you start hearing things like you're no good. Um, there's no point for you to live. You might as well end your life. You might as well kill yourself. Now this can happen in, in schizophrenia and psychosis and we, we treat with medication to quiet those voices down. And like I usually tell people, I don't know that those voices are going to go away completely, but hopefully with the medication, if nothing else, at least they fall into the background. At least they're not at the forefront. At least they're not attacking you on a regular basis. Um, and in terms of the world of deliverance, then we got to ask ourselves, is this a dark entity that's just kind of talking in your ear? That's telling you you're no good. That's telling you you should end your life. That's telling you that you're not going to amount to anything. 
that's telling you that anything you do is going to be wrong. That's telling you that there's no point in you living anymore. You might as well end your life. And in fact, they tell you that day in and day out and day in and day out. Is this a obsessive compulsive disorder from anxiety? Is this a psychosis or is this a dark influence? We don't know. We have to look at the, at the situation and the picture as a whole um, and really look at, well, if we've treated it, has it gone away? Has it improved? Usually with treatment, it will. For the most part, hands down, you're going to see at least some improvement. Something's uh, going to get better. But if you're treating it and it's just not going away, and all of a sudden the voices get even darker and they tell you not only to end your life, but to end the life of others while you're at it, that can happen. Um, and all of a sudden you got to ask yourself, what do I need to do in terms of getting rid of this? We always have to be living a sacramental life. We always have to be living a prayerful life and staying away from sin. More than anything else, staying away from sin is not the end all to end all. You know, what in Dr. Samuel, what do you mean by that? Uh, or isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Well, no, technically speaking, not sinning is actually the beginning of our life because by sinning, we fall into death. And all of a sudden we stop sinning, we live a life of grace, we get into the state of grace. And once we're in that state of grace, then we can start the adventure. Then we can start seeing, well, what does God have in my life? What, what does he have prepared for me? What mission does he have for me? How can I improve my life? What's going on in that realm? Sometimes we think, oh, if I just don't sin, then I'll be okay. But no, the reality is once we stop sinning, now the work starts where we choose Christ where every day we start making choices for Christ, um, even if they're hard, even if we have to put things aside. Kind of reminds me of the gospel where uh, that gentleman comes up to Christ and says, Lord, I'm already following all the commandments. I follow all the laws. I lead a good life. Um, in other words, I'm not sinning. What else do I need to do to get into heaven? And he might have been looking for a pat on the back. He might have been looking for Christ to say, hey, good job, son. You're, you're there. There's nothing else you need to do. You're leading a good life. You're not sinning. You're perfect. You don't need to do anything else. Well, no, Christ tells them, okay, so you're doing pretty good. And now what you got to do is you got to get rid of all your possessions and follow me. So, and you know, the gospel tells us that the man had a lot of possessions. He went away sad and he couldn't do that part. It was, he, he was just happy with not sinning and having a lot of possessions. Christ looks in our heart and he's going to challenge us. And he's going to say, okay, you're not sinning good. Now you got to start following me. You're not, now you can start your life. And that's where it gets uh, a little bit challenging for us because we think, well, as long as I'm just not doing anything bad, I'm okay. But no, we have to actually start to do the work. What does this mean in deliverance and what does this have to do with schizophrenia or psychosis or oppression is that once we get out of it, once we say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to sin anymore. Um, sometimes we think, ah, there, I'm there. A lot of people come to deliverance and say, I just want to get rid of this dark entity. I don't, you know, doesn't matter. I just want to get rid of it, whether it be because I want to continue to live a life of sin and I just don't want to have this darkness or I don't want to have this darkness and I just, and I'll stop sinning, but that's it. But really, if you're going to have a good deliverance, if you're going to have good follow through, it's not enough to say, oh, well, we prayed for you and we broke curses and we prayed for you and we got rid of, you know, so many demons went away. Well, and the reality of the situation is, okay, so that happened, but so what? Are you following Christ? Have you accepted Christ in your heart? If we don't make that choice, then yeah, we can get all the demons away, but we got to remember uh, in that one gospel where the demon left and the house was still empty, the man's soul was still empty, and the demon said, hey, it's empty, let's bring back seven more demons, right? Why? Because we can get rid of the demons, but that's not enough, that doesn't matter if we haven't filled ourselves with Christ. And that's what happens in these cases. There was a case one time I had of a patient who, you know, they started, this is a perfect case of progression uh, up to psychosis because they started their life, uh, or excuse me, they started our visit when I first met them with 
a level of anxiety and that you're saying, yeah, I'm feeling really, really anxious. I don't like what's going on and I just need some help with anxiety. And so as we started talking a little bit more, they said that their anxiety was because they had started to watch pornography. Now they were married and they had kids. They started to watch pornography and they said, I fell into this trap and I just can't, kind of can't stop. It's like, it's, it's the strive that I can't stop. It's, it's like a drug almost. And I don't know how to stop it. I'm getting really anxious about that. And so one of the things that we were looking at as well in the thought process was there, is there an OCD? Is there what's going on that's driving you in this direction? Um, so we started on some medication and initially they felt a little bit better, but said, no, you know, that anxiety medication is not enough. And now I, I'm, I'm still doing this and now it's getting even darker. Like at first it was just basic and now I'm starting to get into even darker, more intense pornography. Um, and I don't know what to do about that, but I can't stop this drive. It's just, it's just driving me forward. And I said, okay, well, they were getting to the point where they couldn't stop thinking about it. Their mind was wrapped up in it and everywhere they looked, that's all they could think about. And they were getting to the point where I said, well, maybe you do need a, a hint of an antipsychotic because the thought process is we're not stopping it. We're not stopping it at all. Um, and so they were on a little bit of medication for anxiety and a hint of medication for, uh, psychosis or intense, uh, anxiety. And we were trying to quiet that down and it didn't seem to be working. Um, and this person was Catholic and I asked them, so, you know, you're married, you have kids, what's going on? Um, are you, how's your spiritual life? And they said, yeah, you know, my spouse keeps telling me I better get to church. I better, um, you know, go do a confession, but I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know if that's it. I just need more treatment. Finally, they got to the point where all of a sudden a full-blown psychosis came out. So first it started off as this OCD type anxiety, and then a full-blown psychosis came out where they said, I'm hearing voices, and these voices are, they're not telling me to end my life. They're actually telling me to hurt my children, and they're actually telling me to do things to my children sexually uh, based on what I'm seeing here on, on, uh, on the screen, on the computer. You know, I got into all that. So now it's getting scary. And I say, well, do you think you're going to act on this? And they said, no, 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 no. I have no desire to act on it or anything like that. It's just really hard because I'm, uh, I'm hearing these things and, and I'm hearing it all day, but, and it scares me. I don't like this. I, I want to get rid of this. I just don't know how. And so eventually we said, you know, you, you might have to go talk to a priest, talk to do something spiritual as well for yourself. Don't stop the medication, but you know, this is, this is getting in spite of the medication. It's getting kind of intense. You better talk to a priest. Well, they came back a few months later and they said, Dr. Sandoval, I'm feeling so much better. Okay. Things are improved. Okay. Well, tell me what happened. What improved? They said, you know what? I finally took the advice of my spouse and I took your advice. I know you've been telling me, my spouse has been telling me all the time, um, to go talk to a priest. And I'd say this part of the, part of the story is I, I tell married couples, you know, don't underestimate the power of praying for your spouse. We are the sacrament. If we're married, you know, we married each other and we are the sacrament. We promise to love and honor each other. So praying for each other and giving each other good spiritual advice is part of our duty. So this gentleman says, you know, I went to speak to the, to the priest and I did a, a confession and he said, and no sooner had I confessed everything that was going on in my life, as far as me delving into the pornography and all these ideas. And I really felt bad about it, especially with these thoughts I was having that it was driving me to. He said, no, no sooner did I confess that. And the priest was doing the absolution and I felt that lift. He said, as soon as the priest absolved me of that sin, as soon as I confessed it and he absolved me of my sin, he said, I felt it lift. It went away. Like it wasn't there. He said, I have no desire whatsoever to go look at that anymore. I have no desire to um, go on that computer anymore. I have no desire, no thoughts of hurting my kids. But it was at that moment of confession that that went away. So he said he stopped his antipsychotic medication, which was perfect because if he's no longer having those symptoms, there's no longer symptoms to treat. We don't need that medication. 
but he was still experiencing anxiety, not necessarily related to the pornography, just anxiety in general in life, which he said that the anxiety medication was taken care of very well. And I said, perfect, we're gonna continue to treat you for anxiety. And that's it. So this is a perfect case where there's a blend of things. It's not that this person didn't have any kind of need for mental health help. Obviously, if there was an underlying anxiety there, that was going to be uh, treated. But literally, there was a spiritual issue going on as well as we see that the sacrament of confession releases those bonds that we have. It gets rid of that attachment. It gets rid of, gets rid of that drive. And for him, it was actually driving him to an oppressive um, obsession uh, where he could not stop thinking about these things. And he started hearing voices. He started getting into this point where the voices were so powerful that you know it was, it was bothering his life. He couldn't think straight and he started having dark thoughts about his kids. You don't want to have that in your life. So one of the things that was important in that case was, and it always reminds me, it's neither, you know, it's both and, it's not always just this or that. It's really, we can experience mental health issues and we can experience, you know, um, spiritual issues at the same time. And it's important to treat both simultaneously because we're happening at the same time. It's not one or the other. Um, a lot of times you might hear people say, oh no, spiritual issues are just spiritual and mental health issues. I don't believe that. I think we need to look at the person as a whole. Um, it'd be no different than saying, oh, we're thinking without being, without our physical, physiological bodies happening. It's impossible. You know, we're, we're still happening. Just because you exercise doesn't mean that you're not going to have bad thoughts or things of that nature. So everything's happening together. Uh, and that case was a perfect example of that. Continued to be treated for anxiety, has been doing well, um, has not had any more psychosis, has not needed to go to uh, the computer for any kind of uh, pornography or anything along those lines. And this person continues to lead a spiritual life and that's what's keeping them in that realm, right? And then how do we go from that to the question of possession versus bipolar disorder? So we're gonna talk about that when we come back from the break because then all of a sudden we, you know, we get into the, the heavier part of deliverance where all of a sudden the person's faculties are no longer their own, but it can actually look like a manic episode. And we're going to compare those when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Always great to have our listeners join us. Really, we are a true family here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wonderful to talk about our Catholic faith. Um, today's topic, and if you were listening last week, it's a continuation. Um, you know, usually it's what we deal with here on, on an everyday basis uh, when we're talking about our health and when we're talking about our mental health versus our spiritual health, we really have to discern and we, what we call the discernment of spirits, right? Um, what's going on with me? Is this something spiritual that's influencing in my life or is this something more on the world, on the verge of mental health that I need help with or medication with? Um, <clears throat> and you know, a lot of times we, we feel like, oh, I need to go talk to somebody about this or I can't do this on my own. And we've got to remember at the end of the day, based on our free will, based on our own personal choices, um, we can easily go and receive the sacraments. We can go to church uh, and improve our spiritual lives without relying necessarily on on much else other than what the church teaches. Yes, we pray for each other, and, and hopefully that's the case, but if we are feeling dark, we, what I mean by that is you don't have to wait. You know, you don't have to wait. We can start praying right now. We can start praying today um, and to get better and really to make that choice that we say, hey, I'm going to start living for Christ. 
I'm going to make time to go to church today. And in fact, church is going to be my priority. I was talking to my wife about this and she was telling me and reminding me, you know, every time we go to mass, it shouldn't be, even though we're so lucky that we have so many churches around us and we can have, especially here in Southern California, and we can have mass at any time and we can say, gosh, I didn't go to the 10 o'clock. There's one at one o'clock. There's one at two o'clock. It seems like we revolve our lives you know, in such a way that, well, let me see what mass I can make versus saying, you know, it's Sunday and this is the mass I'm going to go to. And if somebody invites me to something else, I'm going to say, nope, sorry, I got to get to mass first. And then if we can do something after mass, great. Or we can revolve your schedule around the mass. That's great. But when we start putting the mass first, when we start putting, making sure that we make it to the Holy sacrifice of the Eucharist, which also means that we're going to put confession as a priority um, and make it to confession so that we can present ourselves well for the meeting at mass, for meeting Christ, for meeting Christ in the Eucharist. When we put that first in our lives, um, I think that things are going to change for the better and the more positive, but I think it can actually kind of be scary. It might be scary for people and it might sound silly because it's something so simple. Well, the sacraments, the mass, why would that be scary? I think the scary part and it doesn't come in going to receive the sacraments. I think it comes in thinking my life might change in a way that I don't know. And again, it comes from that anxiety. I might change my life in a way I don't know. I might start to be attacked um, by something dark. I might not feel good actually as I'm trying to get closer to Christ. And that can be kind of scary, but that's the risk that Christ wants us to take. That's the level of faith we need to have. And that's the level of faith he asks of us because he has faith in us and he's asking us to have faith in him that he will actually take care of our lives and what we consider miracles and what he probably says is normal. <laughs> Christ is probably like, you know, you think that was a miracle. That, that's nothing. That's what I do all the time. You just haven't been ready to accept it. Always remind me, reminds me of that gospel where it says that Christ was in his hometown and you're never a prophet in your own town because when he's there and he's preaching to people that might know him, um, he wasn't able to perform miracles because the people didn't have faith. And if we don't have faith in Christ, he's not going to be able to work in our lives. And that's really what this comes down to when it comes down to, do we worry about deliverance? Do we worry about mental health? I think it's easy if we work in deliverance to get so caught up in, oh, what's going on spiritually? And we have to say these prayers and we have to break these curses. Then we forget sometimes that the best way to break the curse is to just go to church and sit in front of the Holy Tabernacle. You know, have the person decide that they're going to want Christ in their life and that they're going to follow the life of Christ. And as any exorcist will tell you, one good confession is worth a hundred exorcisms or more. So my question is always, why don't we prepare people for confession more? Let's start doing more confession preparation. We'd probably need a whole lot less exorcism. Um, and that I think would be much more uh, fruitful for our lives. Okay. So if you're coming back, if you were paying attention to our show, or if you were joining us and you're joining us back from the break, we've been talking about psychosis and how psychosis can look like a demonic oppression um, and can even actually get to the point where it can look like a demonic possession. And that's what we're going to talk about next. So we know that with demonic possession, all of a sudden, we believe that the demons can take over the body, not the soul. We got to make that distinction. The soul is always ours and it belongs to God. But all of a sudden there can be moments where a person is influenced in such a way and they've maybe opened so many doors in such a way that they've allowed their bodies to be manipulated by the dark side. And usually as an exorcist will tell you, there's usually more than one demon and they're usually, you know, are going to make the person do things or say things that are not common for people to do or say. Um, and it can look very scary because the person is no longer in control of their faculties. And it can look like they're having a psychotic episode, like they're crazy. But if they're talking to you and they're in a whole different place in a whole different trance, 
that can actually also look like a manic episode. So if anybody's heard, ever heard of bipolar disorder or bipolar mania, as we call it sometimes, we got to remember what that means. Bipolar disorder is when a person, for the most part, is going to experience depression. And we talked about depression in the last show, you know, lack of motivation, feeling very sad all the time, everything's slowed, can't get moving, you're probably having problems sleeping, you're waking up too early, what we call early morning awakening, or some people will sleep all day, they don't want to get out of bed, people can, you know, have problems concentrating, not know what to think about, um, you can feel hopeless, worthless, and even thoughts of suicide can come into that depression. So the person will have these depressive episodes, but they're going to be intermingled or mixed with manic episodes. And what's a manic episode? So a manic episode is usually, it can last for a period of about seven days, or it can be very, very intense. Normally gets a person hospitalized if it's bipolar type one. If it's bipolar type two or what we call hypomania, they can have some of these symptoms, but they not, might not get hospitalized. They can just kind of function. But let's listen to these symptoms of manic episodes and see how this can compare with bipolar disorder or mania. Um, the person can feel very up high, elated, or irritable, or touchy. So a lot of times we think that mania means the person's very happy. For the most part, whenever I've seen a full manic episode, the person is usually very irritable. They come off as very charismatic, happy, and they know what they're doing, and they're happy so long as things are going their way. But as soon as you tell them, you know what, I don't like, I don't know if that shirt goes with those pants, or you know, what kind of cologne did you put on? It doesn't smell very good. Boy, if you tell them that something's off, or that something's not according to their agenda, or what they think is truth or, or correct, boy, they're going to get very, very, very irritable, very upset very quickly. Um, and that's where you see the mood swings. Uh, the person can feel very, as they say, wired or jumpy. You know, everything's on a fast speed, everything's moving um, in their mind very quickly. Um, they can have a decreased need for sleep, different from depression. In depression, usually the person will say, either I want to sleep and I can't, or I'm sleeping too much and it's not very restful. In bipolar mania, Normally what happens is the person doesn't need to sleep. They have this energy and they're feeling great. They're just on top of the world um, and they don't need to sleep. They, they can sleep for an hour or two and then, you know, back at it and they're feeling wonderful. Usually in mania, there's not a whole lot of appetite. The metabolism is going very quickly. Um, they talk very fast about a lot of different things as we call flight of ideas and pressured speech. So the speech can be pressured where they're talking so fast that you don't, you know, you usually tell them, slow down. I don't know what you're saying. You know, and their thought process is hard to follow. They'll start telling you about how beautiful the day is and they'll talk about the blue sky and the blue sky will remind them of a blue dress that they saw one time and then the blue dress will remind them of a party and then that party will remind them of a particular food that was at the party and then that particular food will remind them of a country. And this is all starting from blue skies and that story was told within a few seconds. And you're like, wow, your thoughts are just going everywhere. So... They also think they can do a lot of things at once. They say, boy, this is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to learn a new instrument. I'm going to learn a new language and I'm going to paint my house and not a problem. I'm going to be able to get it done. And you're like, whoa, how in the world is that possible? But that's where the brain is working. So you got to appreciate that this person feels like they're out of control and they can be out of control because all of a sudden they can start doing very risky behavior, whether it be getting into bad relationships right away with people they don't know or spending a lot of money to where they're in debt and they bought themselves, you know, three television sets and four microwaves and three ovens and they don't know why, but they just felt the need to do that. Um, and usually the person can feel very, very important and talented and powerful. And like, I could be, you know, the leader of the world today, or I can be a president or a politician and I'm going to do it tomorrow and everybody's going to love me. And they just feel on top of the world. So that's a manic episode. That's when the person's out of control. How does this compare to a demonic possession? Well, the 
big comparison there is a lack of control. So as we know that in demonic possession, if we're going to study that, uh, we know that the body, the person's out, doesn't have control of their body. We hear that there's contortions of the body. The person might speak in different languages. The person might be able, not be able to go into a church or have an aversion of the sacred. So all these things that happen, the person can't control anymore, but you notice a big difference in mania. The person's goal directed, moving forward, very positive for the most part, unless they get irritable where they just kind of get angry, but they're not going to be down depressed. If it's full demonic possession, then you're going to see a whole change in the person. Yes, in mania, we see a change in the personality. It's the same person, but they're just kind of on speed, if you will. It's almost like a drug. And that's another thing that we need to distinguish is drug use, you know, and that can cloud everything, but that's a whole nother topic. But normally it's the person and just kind of moving forward. If it's demonic possession, it's no longer the person. You realize that there is a switch in the entity. Uh, you realize that there is a switch in the person. It's no longer the person speaking to you. And in fact, if you've ever been to a deliverance session or an exorcism or anything along those lines, the person will tell you after the session that they knew what was going on, but it's as if they weren't in the room, as if they were in the background, or they might not have known what was going on. They say, I don't know what happened for a long time, even though you were speaking to what appears to be the person, but might've been something, something else in there that kind of took over. And so you have to make these distinctions, you know, is this person going through a manic episode where, uh, this happens for about a week's time or are these discrete periods throughout the day, um, or particular days where they're going about their business they are perfectly normal. And then all of a sudden for a few hours, they're not themselves. That wouldn't be a manic episode. A manic episode is usually going to be sustained, uh, versus if you are worried for any, about any kind of a demonic entity, a possession for a certain amount of time, it's usually a discrete period of time. It wouldn't be, you know, a whole day necessarily, or a whole week uh, of that happening. Now, stranger things have happened, but as a whole, that wouldn't, that wouldn't really jive with the way that we experience that in the world of deliverance. So again, important to treat. <clears throat> How do we treat these things? Well, if it's a bipolar mania, then yeah, we do treat with medication. That's kind of what ends up happening. Usually what will happen is that the mania is going on for so long and the person uh, is, gets to be reckless that they end up in the hospital. And once they end up in the hospital, of course, they're going to get treatment. They get calm and, and the medication usually Usually I say it seems to work pretty well. It usually kind of put things under control, but that's not always the case. So we got to find the right combination of medications for people. I would say the majority of the time it does. Um, and that's really good. The hard part comes when the person's taking the medication and then they feel good. And then, and this can happen in, in schizophrenia as well. They're taking the medication and gets them well under control. And then they decide, you know what? I don't need to take it anymore. I'm doing pretty good and I'm going to, I'm not going to take it anymore. And I'm feeling like myself. So, the most important thing there is encourage a loved one if they are experiencing anything in terms of psychosis or bipolar mania to take their medication. But again, if we go back to if it's spiritual, we know what the answer is. There's only one answer to that. We got to get back to a spiritual life. We got to get back to rejection of sin and anything dark, and we have to invite Christ in our life. Honestly speaking, I think that the best uh, medicine really is going to come down to one, the sacraments, go to confession, receive the Eucharist. You're not going to go wrong with that. Do deliverance prayers first if you feel like you can't get to something sacred. Um, talk to your priest. Ask people to pray for you because them praying for you can count for you praying. Do the seven sorrows of Our Lady. We see that there's great promises associated with that. And don't forget, ultimately, laugh. If you can find laughter in your life, if you can find joy in your life, you're going to push anything dark away because they're not going to understand that. That's going to blow them away. Laughter and happiness comes from God. Until next time, hopefully we can think like Catholics and be Catholics. See you next week.